Person of Interest Podcast, episode number 18. Frankie, my dear, I don't skip on bail. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Person of Interest podcast. You do not need to adjust your earbuds. There's not an echo. There's just a Daryl on repeat. <laughs> on repeat. On repeat. <laughs> I, I don't Nothing know. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Well, welcome to Person of Interest podcast, a podcast dedicated to Person of Interest on CBS. My name is Daryl, and I keep all of Doug's secrets on a flash drive just in case I ever need them. Must be a pretty small flash drive. <laughs> and I'm Doug, and I'm coming to you live while handcuffed to Daryl in a butcher shop. Thank you. You weren't supposed Thank to give up our secret location. <laughs> yes, I tell you. That's why we have to do this every week. We have to, because we're handcuffed together. Thank you. That's right. All right. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being with us. We are covering the Person of Interest episode, season four, episode 18, which originally aired March 24th, 2015, entitled skip any or jiff i don't know i did different peanut butter <laughs> names i don't know well come on where's your rim shot oh sorry there we go yes Thank you, you. you can give yourself a rim shot every <laughs> once in a while you don't have to just save those for me i wasn't sure if it was worthy of one uh you have my permission how's more that? like it was more like yeah <laughs> kind of like that yeah so why was it named skip was it because the guy had skipped on his bail and that's why the bounty hunter was so. after him Yep, and she was trying to get to get the cash to uh, to uh, the bounty hunter. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, uh, we've seen some of that before. Mm -hmm. Funny that this was a show all about the bounty hunter, and yet we got no dog, we got no bear. Oh, that's true. See what it I did been there? A great, uh, huh? See what I did there? Dog the bounty hunter. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, I'm sorry, I missed that one completely. <laughs> Dog the bounty oh, hunter. we're off to a great start, Doug. Wow. <laughs> I never did watch a whole lot of that. It just when I was flipping past, it's like, oh, this again. And mm -hmm. keep going. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think you're missing much. I don't. The ones I saw were, I don't know. If you like that sort of thing, I guess it's good. But anyway, hey, this is a listener-supported podcast, as are the, the podcasts all at, uh, that are happening over at Golden Spiral Media and for the month of March, we've just been trying to take a few minutes out of our podcast and to thank all of you for your support. Just by listening to this podcast and by calling in your feedback to this podcast, we were asking for podcast awards votes all, all through the month of March. That wrapped up a couple of days ago. And just getting into this stage of the podcast awards, getting into the final round where you can actually vote for us every day and that sort of thing. Just shows how awesome all of you are. Uh, Golden Spiral Media has some amazing people as a part of this community. So whether you have never called in or never sent in any feedback or never participated in a live show or never come over to the Facebook page or the Twitter, that's fine. We, we just want to thank you for listening 
And if you are doing some of those other things too, that's fantastic too. So thank you for your, your support. Thank you for being part of this community and uh, helping us uh, do this podcast. We really genuinely appreciate you and uh, look forward to more seasons of person of interest and all the other stuff we have going on. And I think we'll get some more. Definitely. I do too. I do too. I don't have any idea what the ratings were this week. I know that you are chomping at the bit to tell us all about that. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Well, first of all, we had uh, the writer for this week's episode. Skip was Ashley Gable and the director was Helen Shaver. And uh, some of some people were noting on uh, Twitter that, uh, you know, a writer and director, two women, that this had more emotion in it than maybe one written and directed by a guy, mm-hmm. by a bunch of guys. So, yeah, I can see that. And uh, it certainly had a uh, it had a good night. It was uh, we had about uh, 1.5 rating, which was fourth for the night. That's about that's about average, a little below average, but not by much. Mm-hmm. We had 9.15 million viewers, which was also fourth for the night. And so, and then that was a, that was a respectable showing. I mean, it's, it's about, it was about, you know, middle of the road there. Uh, once again, we were behind the voice NCIS and NCIS New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I keep looking at the uh, list of shows that are on, on Tuesday night. You get Agents of Shield. Right. You've got, uh, there's a new, uh, new comedy fresh off the boat. You've got The Flash. You've got, Oh, uh, what else? The Mindy Project. I see, I hear about all these things. And we're beating the pants off. Well, not literally, but anyway. And, and you just, well, I just wonder why Person of Interest just doesn't get, you know, more press, more, you know, more, you no, know, I mean, you talk about the demographics. Okay. So maybe we aren't doing so well in the 18 to 49 age group. We are. Um, the Flash got a 1.2. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got a 1.5, but half the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mindy Project, 0.9. Forever, 0.9. You know, no, it's just no love for person of interest, I tell you. <laughs> so anyway, we're doing great, and uh, you, you, you can, you can, whatever. We'll, we'll just do fine, you know, trundling along just fine, and, uh, and, uh, keep getting new seasons and great stories. Yeah, and there's been so much talk lately about the new, the new way that networks are trying to, Earn money, and there's a great article written this week uh, from I don't remember who wrote it, but you know the X Files got released for six, or they're coming out with six new episodes of the X Files, and and the article was talking about they're not making six new episodes of X Files because they want the fans to have more episodes. They're not trying to bring closure to Mulder and Scully or update you on what's been going on in their lives or the government conspiracies or any of that stuff. The real reason that they're coming up with six more episodes of The X-Files is because they want more money. They mm-hmm. Fox owns all the X-Files, you know, an entity of Fox, you know, whether it's, what, what, I don't know which branch it is, but it's not like Warner Brothers made The X-Files and, and broadcast it on Fox, which happens a lot. Fringe was an example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox owns The X-Files in one part or another all the way through. Lock, so, stock, and barrel. That's right. And they're trying to re-up the, con- the, the contracts for the digital viewing. Right now, you can go over to Netflix and watch The X-Files. Well, I can guarantee you, Doug, that when they announced six episodes of The X-Files were going to be made, people started going, oh, I better catch up. I better mm-hmm. re-watch all The X-Files stuff. And now, Fox will make more money off of the off of the back catalog, which previously wasn't worth any additional cash to them. So you have a, a network here, a studio, both, who are a little bit strapped for cash, although Empire is still kicking butt for Fox. My goodness, that thing Man, has increased alive. every yes. single week since week one, which is unheard <laughs> of. 
But aside from that, studios are trying to find more money. Well, here's an example of how they were able to find more money. Let's give them six more episodes, renew their interest. They'll go stream all that stuff that was just not making us any money. And now they'll make more money. My point is this, that uh, this is how it ties back into person of interest. Um, studios and networks are, are finding creative ways to make money. The CBS streaming app was an example of that. They're making money on that. This isn't an incredibly expensive show to make. I don't think we're in any danger of, of this show not coming back for next season. I think it's a, I think it's a done deal. We should be hearing that really soon, but I'm not worried. I know it was a really long spiel. I hope that made sense and tied in. But <laughs> yeah, the, the the ratings are there. The people are showing up. The yeah. eyeballs are on the ads, and so um, I have. A, I'm wondering about the X Files. I wonder if it's mm-hmm. just uh, maybe one too many times to the well. I mean, it'll be great for folks who are who who watched it before and mm-hmm. have kind of a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they're nostalgic for it, you know, that sort of thing, right? Um, so I they better knock it out of the park. Uh, otherwise, uh, these people are not going to be happy. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those guys. I don't care how many times they go back to the well. I'll keep showing up and say, more water, please. You know, <laughs> I was at the X-Files panel with uh, Jillian Anderson and, and Chris Carter and, and David Duchovny. I think they were all three there. Oh, why am I drawing a blank all of a sudden? But it was at Comic-Con like three years ago. They had a panel. And even then, I mean, fans were just clamoring, saying, please give us more, please give us more. And they were all kind of playing coy. And at times, Chris made it sound like there was a chance. And other times, he made it sound like there wasn't a chance. But anyway, yeah, I'll I'll go back to that well as many times as they'll draw water out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, why don't you say we talk about some person of interest? I didn't mean to derail oh, us. I'm on, sorry. That's what X-Files. we're talking about. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Okay. By the way, we will have a Golden Spiral Media podcast of some sort about the X Files. Stay tuned for that. It's way early to announce anything other than than there's so much interest among our our group. We'll have something for you. So stay yeah, tuned. they're lining up the host. They, we really are. We're going to have a battle royal <laughs> or battle royale or whatever you pronounce it to figure out who's going to host this thing. <laughs> it's great. No great man, problem stand back, folks. I did not watch the X-Files when it was originally out, so I have uh, little to no idea what's going on. Well, so no, better, no better excuse needed to remedy that, Doug. To, start getting, yeah, to crank up the old Netflix uh, app on There's the There's only uh, 200 episodes, uh, two movies, <laughs> comic books, video games. You can do that in a weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, play it on double speed like I do my podcasts. Okay. We have a little bit of feedback from last week's episode, uh, Karma. Uh, first of all, Andrew B. said, I was on vacation when Karma aired and perhaps, fortunately, didn't have a, didn't have seat 4C on any of the flights. I uh, get it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I give the episode eight cloak and daggers. Aside from a couple of awkward spots in the writing, I really liked the episode. Like Guilty, it's light on action, though darker by contrast. Chris Fisher even noted the use of shadow and silhouette for a Hitchcock vibe. I think the action it does have is well done. Seeming or seeing the armed robbery framing unfold is exciting in a sort of mission creep-esque way with a bit of the prestige. Edwards setting up Morris especially reminds me of the Nolan film. It's meant to be a reflective piece underlined by opening with a flashback and ending him with an almost flashback. It reminds me of Finch telling Nathan that the machine looks for plotters. It made me think about Alicia, Carter, and Shaw as well as about Finch and Reese. I'm loving the therapy sessions with Iris for Jim Caviezel's performance, Reese's development, and for another episode that calls to mind the Devil's Share. 
So he really uh, he put it up to the, the Devil Shiver is one of the uh, uh, one of the classics uh, mm-hmm. POI episodes, and so he's uh, he's really lifting it up there. So that was good. Yeah, we also got something in here from Janae that says, uh, "I just listened to your podcast on karma. Yes, I'm behind again." And I had a thought regarding the theory about police psychologist as possible Samaritan mole. And this is relevant for this week's episode, too. Uh, Janae says, if the psychologist was a mole, wouldn't that mean that Samaritan knew where Reese is? And if it did, wouldn't they just take him out? I know there have been encounters between operatives from both sides, but I was under the impression that Samin was the only one among them whose cover had been blown. And this is definitely a topic worth discussing for this week again. Yeah, and she's not a, you know, she was taken, not taken out per se, taken uh, hostage, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, if they knew where you are, uh, they have had no compunction about uh, finding you and and uh, and then and putting you into the ground. So yeah, I can that that does kind of make sense. Although yeah, with uh, with what went on this week, yeah, you can go either way. Yeah, we, right. we can go either way on that one. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, Janae is exactly right. The what we have seen on screen would lead us to believe that at the point where any of these team machine folks are discovered, then they're going to try to get taken out. And I, I do think that that is the way that we should assume, but I, but I can definitely see the side of those who are saying, I don't know. There's something about this doctor that I don't trust. Maybe she's a plant and maybe she is trying to get information. If you want information, and if you kill John and you don't find out where the others are, for example, then it hasn't really gained you as much as it could have. Yeah, you got rid of John, but you still have the others out there. So I can see where there's an argument that could be made that the doctor is a plant trying to get information from John that will help them more than killing them would. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think that they revealed this week why the doctor seemed a little bit odd to us, why there was something there. But... I you know that I think Janae's logic is sound. Where uh, the, the doctor, if she, she was part of Samaritan, she would have killed him. Yeah, yeah. All right, Daryl. What did you think of this week's episode, <laughs> uh, Doug? I didn't care for the episode that much, and I think I'm going to be in the minority on this. I was giving it a six until some of the things happened at the very end between Root and Finch that we'll talk about. There was definitely some things I did like. It was just the A storyline didn't do anything for me at all. Maybe you can talk me down off the off the uh, ledge a little bit. So I gave it seven Trojan horses. I started to give it seven failed Trojans, and I thought that probably isn't <laughs> appropriate. Like but then I said it anyway. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I liked it a little better, um, mostly because I think and and it's the B story actually brought it up for me. I mm. probably ought to take it down half an notch or a notch, but I gave it nine. Disgraced scholarly papers. Mm. I like I said I did like the fact that uh, that we had a little bit of the, the root Reese. Um, well, at the very beginning, you know, when she's talking about how you know who would have thought we'd be friends, and that should have been a you know a big red light that said something's going to happen with that this mm-hmm. uh, this episode. But I'm so easily fooled. But uh, but I, I liked that uh, even though it didn't really pay off. I liked the uh, going back to that uh, the Hong Kong uh, storyline. I. And the one thing, yeah, yeah, the, the, generally speaking, not so much on the uh, on the A story, but I did like the mention of Thornhill and that we are we're dropping hints. I have a f- my thought is that we are going to be seeing this is kind of the beginning of the end mm. um, where, you know, we saw Harper back in uh, in Blunt a few episodes ago. But I think that was just kind of introducing the character we see here again this week. And I think 
with her getting, you know, text from uh, Mr. Thornhill, I think that this is, like I said, the beginning, if you want to call it a four part, or how many episodes are left? Yeah, there's, there's four episodes. I think left. So four I guess more. beginning of a five mm-hmm. part, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, season finale, but we're, we're dropping in enough, uh, items here that, uh, this is really the ramp up to mm-hmm. the finale. So that's, and I, I, I liked the, I liked the, uh, the action there. Okay. Okay. Well, we heard uh, some reviews or some ratings, rather, from a lot of you. Zachary says, My streak of tens has finally been broken, but an amazing episode. Eight out of ten heart-stopping substances. Hmm. Henry said, Nine out of ten girl Boba Fett Vikings. Okay. Let's <clears throat> it takes a little bit of explaining here. Boba yeah. Fett, of course, was a bounty, bounty hunter. hunter. Thank right. you. Mm-hmm. Vikings, what's the deal? Well, Catherine Winnick, who played Frankie is on the History Channel's Vikings TV show playing, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but Lagertha, a legendary figure in Viking history. So that's mm. the whole bit there, you know. And Vikings, and I just saw it today, Vikings is actually getting uh, renewed for a fourth season. So she's going to be busy there. Maybe Frankie, we don't see so much of her anymore. I see. Wow. You know, if you if you capture Frankie, you should always do that with a net. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. That's right. Now that's if she, that's if she was a mermaid. Oh, is that is that what the way that works? <laughs> All right, I'll trust you on that one. Uh, Vivek gave it eight neurotoxins that take time to kill. A time to kill. David gave it nine out of ten admissions of secret plots. A nine. So there's another mm-hmm. nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Linda gave it a nine. Nine well played hostage negotiations. Benson gave it five. Ooh, five out of ten failed kills, regrettably. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they just did not like that at all. Yeah. Andrew gave it 7.8 butcher shop fights. I am Groot was way down at the bottom there. Also gave it six deals. And Dutch gave it nine on the girl power meter with a one point deduction from the Russian judge for excessive drama queen acting, which is Finch's I'll kill myself tantrum. Do you like that? Did I, <laughs> that was good. That was I good. think you that said- that's how Doc envisioned that line. And when he, when he wrote that out, that's, that's how I envision it. You sounded just like Harold. It was, it's amazing. <laughs> it's a gift. Oh, we had Michael Emerson on the other side of the uh, microphone here. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure. All right, well, let's, uh, let's tackle this thing. We've given a little bit of our thoughts already. Uh, let's start with the A story, the bounty hunter, Frankie Wells, Fran- Francesca. Uh, but we're going to call her Frankie. And it yeah, starts so with a uh, high-stakes poker game, Reese... Using uh, Finch's real money, hopefully <laughs> not going to lose it. Which I well, he left. I mean, did he get his money back? When he, I don't know. I doubt ooh. it. It's, yeah, you I just not thought care, of that. Got to take good care of the boss's money. Oh man. Yeah. Don't don't, we don't know how much in. it's been. We don't know how much has been uh, depleted at this point, but it right. certainly has had its share of uh, hits taken against it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and of course, uh, Frankie, who is. Clearly knows what she's doing here. She uh, she stole his badge uh, after. Well, you know, you think she's kind of the the damsel in distress type mm-hmm. thing, and then, of course, then you go into the back room, and all of a sudden, she is, you know, kicking butt and taking names. So, uh, so she knows, you know, she 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 knows what's going on. She can handle this, and you know, it, I I am surprised Reese got got the drop taken on him there. You know, former CIA and all that, but. Yeah. 
Yeah, we can it can kind of understand that, yeah. We'll see and that's that's one of the reasons I scored it down. There's a couple of times here where she gets the upper hand on him, one of them here, and like you say, he's he's highly trained. We didn't get any no, any, any anything given to us that indicated that she also had some sort of special operations or uh, really specific high level training where he has, and we're seeing this more and more where people are able to get the drop on him. I don't, like we've said before, I don't expect him to be invincible, but this didn't seem like a situation where he would not only be able to get bested, but also have his ID stolen. And then later in the butcher shop, she's able to handcuff him to the door. You know, she bested him a couple of times. We saw him get bested a couple of weeks ago by, um, gosh, names escaping me. She was in this episode, her Harper, oh, uh, Harper, yeah, Harper. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, I don't know. It just seems like it's too easy to, to get the drop on, on him now. And I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm not liking that. Like I said, I don't expect him to be invincible, but, but he's had a string of this. Yeah, and in this situation, it didn't seem like one that he would, especially the handcuff. I know we haven't got to that part of the story yet, but I was like, come on. He wouldn't have fallen for that. He would have, you know, I just felt like he was more capable than that, but I don't know. So I, that was one of the reasons I scored it down. And she actually um, even faked out uh, Finch's hacking abilities here. Her background, you know, they didn't quite get the, the proper read on her. Um because she'd set up, I guess she'd set up some fake websites or something mm-hmm. like that. I, they don't really get into it, but, uh, but Finch didn't quite get the name or didn't quite get her, uh, her proper identity. And so, yeah, that's, that's, you know, you can best one or the other, but to do them both, yeah, that, that uh, you're pushing the, uh, suspension of disbelief there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and one thing I did know, uh, while I were looking up her information is that, Fusco seemed, you know, pretty impressed with the surveillance photos that they were able to come up with, uh, that, that Reese and Finch were able to come up with. And, you know, it's getting to, again, more and more. If Fusco, they drop these little, you know, quick scenes in here, and I don't think they're throwaways, where he is more aware of what's going on, and he, he notices that, you know, they're, the capabilities that they have. And, you know, is this more knowledge that, he he doesn't necessarily know there's a computer AI behind it, but he knows. I'm convinced something. Uh, you know, they've got some uh, some inside information that I, he doesn't know where it comes from, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And I think when the when it finally comes out to him that it's a computer AI, it won't to him seem you know that much of a stretch. Yeah, yeah, it's a good good pickup. I. I didn't think anything of that, but when you put it in those terms, it makes perfect sense. I think you're right. About this time, I was looking at the Twitter feed and whatnot, and, mm-hmm. and you know, folks, we we you know kind of look at some of the Twitter feed as as the um, episode is on, and we like to follow you know some of the people and the actors and the writers, and of course, we follow Bear the Dog. Well, right about this time, I noticed that uh, he had tweeted something, and I'm not gonna. I didn't really write it down what it was. wasn't really important, but. I translate, I run it through Google Translate, so it goes from Dutch to English, and I saw what it said, and then, not two minutes later, I see a tweet with that exact same text. I thought, oh, somebody's translating him, uh, you know, just saying, hey, Bear, you know, it's what she said. No, no, there's an actual Twitter account called Bear the Dog Translated. No and way. So, so you don't have to follow the Dutch, you can just follow, and the, uh, the, the Twitter ID is Bear the Dog underscore E-N-G. 
So maybe there's a bear that dog underscore, you know, ESP for, you know, Espanol or, you know, DEU for Deutsch or whatever. I don't know. But there's one for ENG. Nice. So I followed that guy and now I don't have to, I don't have to translate bear anymore. Well, what did Bear have to say in this episode? Because we didn't, I didn't see him. Say, there was an, there was something about uh, oh golly, one of the tweets was that sh- the uh, she the, the bounty hunter had taken a uh, the did the name of a, uh, a like a Greek goddess or something like that. I, I was thinking Francesca. Is that really what is he referring to her or somebody else? I, I didn't quite get it, but I I didn't uh, I didn't uh, keep track of uh, much of what Bear was saying because he was just kind of it was just kind of. Uh, marginally relevant to the um, to the plot so i didn't really okay. keep track of him but but now you ha- now you know yeah. that you can get it english yes indeed well it's about this time in the story that uh, finch and frankie decide to not finch um john reese and and frankie decide to partner up to try to get um ray pratt Ray could not think of the name. It begins with an R. It's three letters. There's not a lot of options. Ray is one of them. That's the one I was trying to find. Uh, they decide to go after Ray. They've got a list of addresses. Um, and, uh, well, I guess, yeah, that, that's how they find out. And, and Ray's there. Now, all that seemed cool, uh, kind of predictable, really, which was fine. What I didn't see coming was Harper coming into the storyline at this point. And I kind of liked it, really. I, I like that we're seeing more of Harper. I thought that. Both of us thought that we would. A lot of a lot of folks thought that we would, and I you know, definitely don't think we've seen the last of her. Um, and she's still a loose cannon, right? Even at, by the end of the episode, we don't know if she's going to be part of Team Machine, work against Team Machine, do her own thing. You know, she did get propositioned uh, for in a business proposition by um, the drug cartel, right? Um, so I don't know. What do you? What do you? What was your take? Were you Were you happy to see her? I guess we could start there. I liked that they did bring her back. I didn't see that this necessarily was the place to do it. Um, if they have, I guess, if they have a um, a, a a use for her for that character uh, coming up, like I said, I, I think this is a ramping beginning of the ramp up to the finale. If they have a, a spot for her in the finale, then they really did need to bring her back uh, semi regularly here to kind of uh keep them in the uh, keep the viewers uh mind uh, okay we gotta we we still have harper in play here Mm -hmm. that sort of thing and so um so it could have been anybody i mean that really that part could have been played by anybody uh except that uh two things number one like i said we need to keep her in the uh, in the mind of the viewers but also uh, later on, we, she talks about getting uh, information from uh, Thornhill, right? Which we've heard before, kind of the uh, the, uh, the the human persona that uh, the machine occasionally uses, you know, inter- to introduce that. And it would have been uh, kind of odd to introduce, had to have a a character we'd never seen before get suddenly start getting text from Thornhill. So that, in that sense, it does make sense to have uh, somebody we've seen before get those. So yeah, it, so in that sense, yes. But otherwise, most of what she had uh, going could have been uh, could have been done by anybody. Right. So while you while we're on the subject of Thornhill, I guess we should go ahead and tackle it. Um, for me, this was the only part of the A storyline that ended up paying off, even if we're going to include Reese's encounter with I- Iris in the A storyline, um, which we haven't talked about yet. But um, And so I, I, I guess this was the only reason, as you just said, that we went ahead and had Harper in this episode so that we could tie it into Thornhill, which is a pretty big deal. If the machine is reaching out to her 
giving her texts. I mean, I have to think that that's because the team has a specific strategic intent for her as we wind down the season here. I mean, not that the machine sees things in seasons, but you understand what I mean. The, the, the story is going to come to a head here, and whatever that is, the machine has to see it coming and needed uh, felt like it needed Harper in order to accomplish its purposes. Really incredible, though, to think, I, th- I think, that because it had to put her in a situation where she would have a relationship with Ray and have that relationship somewhat established so that when Frankie's number came up, that Harper would be in a position to cross paths with Reese and divulge the information about Thornhill. So there's a lot of pieces that that the machine had to get in play just to kind of get that piece of information over to Reese, which I think was ultimately what needed to happen. Reese needed to understand, and and therefore Finch and Team Machine, that Harper is at is whether she she doesn't know it. She doesn't know who Thornhill is, but they do, and that's a pretty significant piece of information. So that was a big payoff. Uh, it was a it was kind of a, a twisted path to get there, which is kind of impressive, really. But that, to me, that was the only payoff of the A storyline, and it wasn't worth it. It wasn't a big enough payoff to give me a, a high score. But well, the, the way you put it there, you know how how the the machine had to get you know somebody who had already been in the in the sights of Team Machine back mm-hmm. into you know the the relationships, like you said. Yeah, that and if it had that had been a another random character, you know, new for this uh, episode, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But yeah, and I didn't put it that way. It's a there's a lot of things that it had to juggle around to make sure that they cross paths again uh, based on uh, or because of the situation with Frankie. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that, and it made it even more um, complicated in order to get it work to work. And, uh, you know, the machine, it's a good it's good at that sort of thing. Well, and it makes you wonder what the machine's plan is. The machine has a plan and. As we'll talk about when we get to the B storyline with Finch and Root, it doesn't want that plan screwed up. And to the point where it was willing to send Root in to kill someone to stop Finch's plan, what he believes is a, is a plan, the machine has got something else cooking. We just don't know what it is yet. It's been acquiring talent all season and putting pieces in place and this and that's a, and that's similar to what it has done in previous seasons that's right we we had yep. we had some people you know kind of thrown in in uh some pois that all of a sudden showed up at the very end mm-hmm. for to uh the end of last season to uh to hack into the uh, samaritan servers or to create the samaritan servers that would uh, erase the identities of team machine so yeah this is uh there's a there's a precedent here right that's right well, we get. Um, I, I was wondering around around this point here when um, Frankie seems to be really uh, holding her own. She at one point she said she blue jacks Harper's phone, uh, which I suppose has something to do with Bluetooth and all that business. But uh, very similar to what Team Machine has been doing. So again, she is doing. She's getting the drop on Reese. She is faking out uh, Finch. She is doing what Team Machine does. And I just wondering if we're if. We're setting her up, if the idea here was to set her up as a, a, a new team machine recruit to perhaps replace uh, Shaw, that maybe Shaw is really not coming back um, by the end of the uh, the season. Or maybe this is a, a you know a player we can put off to the side in case uh, the actress, um, uh, Sarah Shahi, decides, no, I'm going to stay home with my kids mm-hmm. now. You know, who knows? 
Yeah. Did you did you get that that vibe at all? No, I didn't. But we've seen a lot of characters come back this season, so that could certainly happen. But no, I didn't get that vibe. Yeah, she seems to be able to hold her own. So uh, yeah. we shall see here. Yeah. yeah. Um. The uh, the whole butcher shop thing here. Could we right. be at that point? <laughs> oh man, alive! It's it's interesting that they had. Um, I, you know, you would imagine that Frankie would be able to get out of you know lock. It seems like lock picking is is something that if you have a uh, a paperclip and you insert it into a keyhole, poof, it just happens. You know, right. everybody seems to be doing be able to do that on um, on TV. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense for Frankie to be able to to uh, to work that out. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, at the end here, and and you know, Reese was getting Reese was getting a lot of action here. Man, he got a kiss from uh, Iris later on, and he gets a kiss from. Uh, from Frankie too. I mean, he's just, he's just the ladies' man here. But uh, of course, uh, it can be a bit of a distraction, such that oh, you could be, you know, handcuffed to a door, you know, that sort of thing. That's the, the, right. The fridge. He should have seen that coming. <laughs> <laughs> he fell for the oldest trick in the book. I mean, oh, divert man. your attention while I trap you. Yeah, yeah. He fell right wonder- into her agenda, and just he shouldn't have. You're making me wonder about my rating now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the butcher shop scene was pretty good, though. Although the only thing I could think of was, man, that suit is now ruined because I've never seen some of those little uh, anti-fatigue mats that they were they were laying down on. Just oh, not yeah. be disgusting, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, oh, that suit's <laughs> in the trash, <laughs> and it's in a butcher shop. There's no telling what has fallen in because it was the kind with all the little holes in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't to know. Keep, to I'm keep like, it from slipping, keep the goop from you know yeah. getting you know standing in it. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no, that could be uh, that could be ugly. I don't know why. That's why where my mind went, but it did. I was just going. That's disgusting. <laughs> that floor's nasty. <laughs> Poor guy. Well, you know, he, he's there's there's still a little money. Maybe he won some money in the poker game, and you know, he can buy himself another. Maybe, suit. Uh, maybe there's a man in a suit with meat particles stuck to the back of it, <laughs> watching over. Him. Okay, bear, go find him. Here's what it smells <laughs> yeah, like. Uh-oh. Exactly. Yeah. Bear's going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not following that. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail this again. No, no problem. I love derailing. All right. So where are we at now? We are at Atlantic We're at the showdown, Highlands. I think. Is that, yeah. yeah, they're they're trying to uh, deliver the docks. There's some big warehouse. It always happens at a warehouse, right? Always, yes. I, I think will. I wonder if this is like the same warehouse that all the uh, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, you know, uh, things took place in. You know, <laughs> there's always those empty warehouses out there somewhere. That's right. Yes, yeah, just waiting, waiting for uh, some nefarious person to uh take up shop i had a bad feeling about this i thought he was going to kill her or at least try to kill her when when he made her you know hey come up here to give him to me and i thought oh this yes isn't yes good. i thought so because yeah. he had the higher ground and it was going to be like anakin all over again <laughs> yeah so and and uh i did like the um I mean, and this, the, he had Frankie who, hey, somebody tweeted at one point, did you try one, he, he tweeted, uh, Catherine Winnick, he said, did you try one take saying, my name is Frankie, you killed my brother, prepare to die. <laughs> because essentially yeah. that's what's going on here and she's going to make it, not, not, not kill him, but certainly make it look like, uh, he, uh, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, kill him, but also make it look like, you know, she had a reason to do it. Right. So, uh, so that was, that was, she had it, 
planned out. She's just you know, forward thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm still thinking team machine person. You could re- rehabilitate her and uh, and put her on the on the team. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, teacher that they have to go for kneecaps and not for heads. But you know that that's probably something that they can teach her pretty easily. But I don't know. I don't think we'll see her again. I didn't get that vibe. No, think so. Ah, uh, well. But we well, did. Oh, go ahead. I, I, no, I think no, no, I'm we, sorry. Go ahead. You do it. Well, we have we have Worthy show up at this point. We've heard about him. Now he shows up. Uh, I, you know, we, I guess we saw him I, I technically earlier uh, in, in the butcher shop. But he wants his money, right? Ray stole 100 grand from him, and we have uh, well, this Mexican standoff is really what it boils down to. We have uh, Frankie wants Ray dead. Ray wants his money, or Worthy wants his money from Ray. And what's the third part here? Well, Harper's uh, got the information about um, Worthy, uh, Worthy's, uh, you know, Worthy's nefarious deeds on her USB drive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Reese wants to get all of the R- Ray and Worthy in jail. So that's those are our those are our options. And and Harper steps in with a pretty reasonable, albeit completely unbelievable negotiation. Negotiation. I'm like, <laughs> come on. These guys, Worthy wouldn't go for that. He'd call in his goons to shoot her, take the flash drive. You know, I just did. Again, maybe I'm being too cynical this week. Maybe I've had a rough week. I don't know. But I was just like, this isn't going to happen this way. Would Worthy have the same thought that. (laughs) Would Worthy have the same thought that Reese did? Okay, now where's the real flash drive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Or, or, yeah, or, or what Reese did. I told him he could leave the warehouse. I didn't tell him you can leave the state. That was like Zoolander. I don't know why that came out sounding like Zoolander. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Worthy is supposed to be, I mean, we never heard of this guy, but I think we were given the impression that he's a reasonably powerful, smart crook. And he didn't use any of those smarts in this in this episode. So, I don't know. Well, you know, but we did get an ECAP. You know, you know Ray, Ray goes to take out Harper and just... I, what what impressed me was he he almost wasn't even looking. Well, see, it's, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm being negative and cynical, let me continue. He just does a little, you know, you can't see, if you're not on the live show, you can't see me on video. I just did my little, I, I had my gun on my finger, my finger gun on my hip. I randomly pointed it in a direction of a bad guy and pulled the trigger and it hit his knee. Well, look at me. It was, look at the guy. I would have believed it had he looked in the direction of the guy, but he didn't. It looks like a no-look hit into the knee, and I'm like, come on. Not even Reese is that good. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm, now I'm really rethinking the old. I, I feel like I'm totally Great. trashing this episode, and I know I gave it a seven, which is pretty low for me, but anyway. It was oh common. man! Well, then we get to we find out that you know everybody's living happily ever after here. wasn't the real USB drive. Um, Harper has been hired by the cartel. Thornhill has been texting her. You know, so you know that was very interesting. To um, you know, again, we're just dropping little bits and pieces here uh, as we ramp up to the season finale. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I li- I liked you know bringing that back in there. So you know. I'm 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 all about the arc. Okay. Well, that, so, that, so that saved it saved it for me here. All right. Well, I, I feel like I said I feel like I've beaten the episode up more than I intended to, but there was just some things that bug me. 
Well, when we get back to Iris here. Now, you know, yeah, Iris yeah. has is coming back, and she's uh, she seems afraid of Reese. Mm-hmm. Maybe what she has learned um, has has her kind of you know on edge. Maybe it's her professional ethics uh, that is that's given her the uh, the second thought. She, she you know she mentioned she could lose her job, right? Um, but uh, but she does give him a kiss at the end. And so, you know, there's Reese once again bringing him yep. in. Forget um, my training and my career. I'm just too attracted to you. I must kiss you. Throw it all out the window. <laughs> Although I, w- I will say this. Look, we, we all know that Reese isn't really a policeman. When it comes down to it, when whenever his cover doesn't have to be his cover anymore, then the you know patient-doctor relationship Turns out to have not really been a true patient doctor relationship. It was all built on a falsehood. So I don't know if if so if it ever did get discovered that she crossed a line. I don't know that people would go. Oh well, it doesn't matter. You know, in my mind, that's what I would say. I'm like, well, he wasn't really a patient. You know, so well, it was a patient, but it wasn't really a cop. But uh, you know, yeah, yes, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. But did it bother you that she went ahead and risked it all to to be with tall, dark, and handsome? I don't know. It just seemed a little, uh, after all that she had been, um, protesting, you know, maybe she protested too much. And, uh, uh, so, so it just, just seemed a little, I would have liked to see more of the, the gap between them, you know, more mm-hmm. of, uh, more of, uh, this thing putting a, uh, putting a, a barrier between them, uh, rather than this. Th- th- this really doesn't change. It's, it, it's, I don't know if you, well, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby used to talk about, uh, you know, Adam and Eve mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, the issues with men and women. And Eve is like, come here, come here, come here, come here, get away, get away, get away, get away, come here, come here, come here, come here, get away, get away, get away. And, 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 and Adam's going, what do I do? You know, so, so in this case, and it's, uh, Ira's going, get away, get away, get away, come here, come here, come here, come here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. I, I would have, it didn't really, it didn't move the, to me, it didn't move the relationship one way or the other. It kind of stayed in the same place. It, despite all the things she said, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning, then she does the kiss and it's like, well, I don't know what's going on. So, I don't know. Did it do anything to change your idea on whether or not she's a mole or she is, at face value, just a, a doctor and, and attracted to Reese and nothing more? Not necessarily. I guess it could. There could be some of the some of the reason for her concern. Some of the reason for her, you know, uh, standoffishness could be because she is a she is a kind of mole reporting back to Samar- the Samaritan crowd. But she is getting involved and she's falling in love with this guy. And so now now she has the she has the issue with you know I'm I'm trying to get the drop on this guy, but. I like him now, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, so, so it, it, again, it didn't really resolve that issue one way or the other, go either way at this point. So I, it didn't really, like I said, didn't really seem to move the relationship at all. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about the B storyline, the Finch root. Um, I can't bridges. think. Bridges. Bridges. Thank you. Could not, th- I'm terrible with names tonight. I don't know what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited to see that the uh, Hong Kong storyline finally came back around. We knew that it would at some point when we got that in what episode one or two of the season, I never would have thought it would be episode 18 before we got back around to it again. A long payoff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but we did. Um, so where do you want to start here with this? Well, I guess the question was, was she, she, I mean, she was selling her predictive algorithms mm-hmm. to some company. Mm-hmm. Did we, uh, so it was pretty well established this was going to be ultimately, going, you know, being grafted into Samaritan. Is that, uh, yep. that's kind of where we went? Yeah, I think so. So I, yeah, I liked, I liked that, um, I liked that information, but I like the way too that Reese and Finch, we kind of, we kind of, uh, bridged the gap here a little bit between the two stories. Um, be, and this has always been a Finch operation, and he tells Reese what to do. And at one point, Reese texted Finch. He was the one who had the number, and he sent it to Finch um, and got the number for Bridges and was trying to figure out exactly when that happened. And it turns mm-hmm. out that, ca- that the machine did that as soon as uh, as soon as uh, Finch was, you know, having breakfast with her. Mm-hmm. So I I like that. Um, that that bit of crossover, that bit of you know juxtaposition, you know the the computer geek with the the heavy, yep. the heavy is now giving the computer geek the you know the uh, the data for this. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. And um, I didn't think that it had anything to do with Finch at this point. Now we, we're going to learn otherwise. But for me, I thought Finch, come on now, two things happened at that moment. One was the meeting that she wrapped up the moment you arrived. Those happened, you know, boom boom. And so for me, I thought the 9.15, because she said, you're, you're a minute early. And I guess maybe that should have been my clue, because we, we knew that his meeting started at 9.15. Her meeting concluded at 9.14, which was when he actually showed up. So uh, I thought that what happened was Samaritan got what they wanted, and now she was going to, she was going to die. And so I thought that was what, what had put her... Caused her number to come up. I didn't think it had anything to do with Finch. And I thought, Finch, come on, man. You're blaming yourself for nothing that you, for something you had nothing to do with, which turned out not to be the case. But anyway, I, I thought it was going to go in a different direction. Well, I think that, um, and she seemed, I think that she was, was very, she was surprised to see, uh, Finch show up. Like she was trying to hide that. Mm-hmm. Like she was trying mm-hmm. to hide that meeting. Oh, well, well, you're early. Oh, you know, closing up the, the tablet or the laptop or whatever it was. You know, so she, she seemed like to me that like she was hiding something. Uh, I don't think that uh, she necessarily was, uh, ultimately. I think, I think it's just the way it was supposed to be played to, to give the viewer a bit of, hmm, what's going on here? Yeah. But I, 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 she has no idea what's going on. I think, I, I, I think you're right. It was a little bit weird, but then she turned right around and said, this hard drive right here, I'm going to turn it over and it's going to give them all the info they need. I thought, man, that's really crazy. You don't, this is, you've, this is your life's work. You've just sold to, to this business and you're going to tell this guy you've only met once before that the hard drive in your, on the computer in your lap is the key to it all. I thought, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and you brought it to breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Don't you have a backup somewhere? Or I don't know, it just seemed a little too loose with the info. Yeah. yeah. And they, they and Root and Finch start spying on her just to find out what's going on, see how much she does know. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out she doesn't know a thing. She's just, you know, hey, I've gotten, uh, gotten a buyer. I'm uh, mm-hmm. going to be rich. And, um, you know, and, and then... Now, see again, we're 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 increasing the drama here, and I thought this was really well done with mm-hmm. the uh, the trashing of Finch's office. Yeah, where what's going on here? Does this does Samaritan really understand? You know who 
uh, Professor Whistler is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, with the combination of her seeming to be, you know, very, uh, you know, shocked that, uh, that Finch got there while she was still having this meeting, Finch's, uh, you know, office is trashed. That, that really, uh, they did a really good job of misdirection here, which was easy for me. You know, they just misdirect me all the time. Well, I was misdirected too when it's revealed that Root is the one who is trying to kill Bridges. I was just like, what? I did not see that coming. So that was really well done. Like I said, I liked the B story quite a bit. Uh, so that was nice. Good misdirection on that. Well, I was surprised that she would go try to go through with that, even mm-hmm. though the machine told her not to, and, and Finch figures that out at some point, mm-hmm. that she has been, it, it, I needed to know, I guess, I guess there had to be some really serious situation wherein Root would go against, you know, quote unquote God, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and it had, it would have to be something extremely urgent, ex- just, just a complete, to, to, to do something so against the way we've seen her up until this point. And I guess this was, when you think about it, it does really uh, kind of make sense that this is, in her mind, something that, you know, Samaritan can go back and take out Harold, and she has, number one, at the very beginning, she said she, you know, she kind of feels like she's a friend to Harold now, mm-hmm. they're, they're friends together here, but also because that the death of Harold, that would, as she understood it, uh, result from, uh, from, Starting up this Trojan horse and 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 being able to, to trace it back to him would take him out and you know jeopardize the whole the whole the team's whole purpose for living. So yeah, I can see that that would be just. It took me a little while afterwards to to get that. Why was she changing her you know her her view of this uh, of the machine? Well, yeah, it does make sense that she would in this case. Yeah, you know, something that's just coming to mind is you're, you're reminding me that she was kind of going against the machine a little bit there. And I was talking earlier about how the machine has this whole plan that might have been, uh, that, that needed to kind of, I'm trying to think of what I said earlier, how I said it earlier. But anyway, the machine clearly has a plan that it's trying to roll out. And I wonder if Root screwed up the plan by, um, going against the machine. Although I've got a theory here I'm going to throw in based on the last scene that we'll get to here in just a minute. So it may, May not all be out of whack after all. Well, did did the machine want Harold's Trojan to kick in? It would seem so, right? That's the impression I got, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm wondering now if Root has has stymied the machine's plan here. Right, right. That's what I'm wondering too. And whether it's going to come back to bite the team. Remember, the machine wanted them to kill the senator last year, and they wouldn't be in this mess. Ah. If they had done what the machine asked them to do, although the machine seems to not mind killing certain people, again, here, let's kill Finch, or Finch's death is okay. Uh, The machine was okay with that. Root was not, which, you know, again, just shows the great arc that their relationship has, has come even over the last season, let alone from the beginning of Root's story arc when, when these two people first met. But remember, he had her locked in a cage for most of last season <laughs> there in the library. It's a great story arc that these two have have uh, gone through together to that point where he couldn't trust her to let her out of a cage, and now they trust each other completely, although there Mostly. was some, there was some <laughs> harm here in the relationship. Yeah. A lot of respect here as well. I thought it was great. 
No, that was it. Was really well done. I liked and 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 like I said, they set that up kind of from the beginning, mm-hmm. where Root was talking about how much how far they've come, and right. so that should have been a uh, you know red flag to those who who know how writers write that uh, something's going to happen uh, to 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 mess that up. And you know, and Finch in his in his usual understated way was like. I think you should leave for a little while. You know, yeah. it wasn't like, it wasn't a yelling at her. It wasn't like, what are you thinking? Now, he did, you know, get a little over anxious when he took the neurotoxin. You know, yeah. that can, yeah. that can ruin your whole day. Let me ask you this, Doug. So the, the plan was Harold was going to go out with Bridges to get close to her laptop to activate the Trojan horse to give them just a smidge, a few megabytes of data that they could then hopefully use to infiltrate and take down Samaritan. It's very, very risky, very, very smart, a very long con, as Sawyer from Lost would would be proud of, Mm -hmm. that started at the beginning of the season in Hong Kong. But doing so would have been able to trace, Samaritan would have been able to trace it back to Finch, and Finch would have been eliminated, and that's why Root did what she did. When that conversation happened back at the subway station, Root said that she destroyed that transmitter that Root, that Finch was going to use to, to set off the Trojan horse. Two questions for you. One, is she telling the truth? And two, did she do anything with it before she destroyed it, if she did destroy it? Hmm. Oh, that's That's interesting. Hadn't thought about that. I was taking whatever she said at uh, at face value there, but she's not beyond trying to get Finch off that idea. So that you're saying like she she would have done, she would have actually done, uh, you know, activated it or something like that. I mean, yeah, because she would have to get close to Bridges' laptop, which I don't think she did. Well, but we also know that of anyone that we know in this show who would be able to go under some sort of disguise get themselves into a situation invisibly, seamlessly, and out, that one person is Root. She's been changing um, identities for quite some time now. That's that's exactly right. There's no one more skilled at that than she is. Mm-hmm. So what I think is she got the transmitter from Finch, put herself into some situation where she got near Bridges and activated the Trojan horse and immediately destroyed the transmitter. She didn't give all that information to, to Finch because she didn't have to because he didn't ask the right questions. He said, where's the transmitter? I destroyed it. She did. That's it. After she uh, did something with it. I think, I think the Trojan horse has been put in place. I think the, and the machine, therefore the machine's plan is still on track. It's just that it won't be able to tie back to Finch. That's well, right. And that's important. But- she saved his life by doing that. Well, did she risk hers? Yes, but I don't think it's going to matter because, like I said, she's a chameleon. And uh, and and the audience doesn't know and Finch doesn't know, but it's going to come into play at this great moment here as we wrap up the season with these final four episodes where it's going to be revealed that she did it after all and the, and the Samaritan's going to be able to be taken down from the inside. Because she's also, I don't know if she's equally capable behind the keyboard, but she's right up there with Finch, you know. Finch isn't yeah. the only one who could execute that plan, and you could argue pretty pretty strongly that she could do it better than Finch. I like that. No, that's, that's, that's very interesting. I hadn't, I, I, that, 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 nice prediction. You, maybe you'll beat the machine. Who knows? 
<laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That's what we call the segment. Yeah, that'd be cool. The machine. Here we are. We don't get to hear it, that very not, often. Not, you've got, you've got Daryl on record here. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm right, just because I, I, I think it's a good plan to take down the machine. I don't hope that I'm right for my own sake. I hope I'm right for Team Machine's sake. Because otherwise, yeah, you've really, you've really stymied uh, a plan that the machine had. You know, all these things have to come together, and if something this big were to, you know, get uh, cut off, maybe we don't, uh, we don't have the uh, uh, the ability to to do whatever it is uh, he needs to do to get it down. Hmm. But then the question remains: If she did do that, if she did set off the Trojan horse, why not tell Harold? Because then you don't Would have the be break looking? in the relationship that they had either, right? Oh, true. Uh, would it be that he would be looking for the data and it could be traced back to him? Or Maybe. In, in, instead she's going to uh, pick it up? I uh, Some idea there. Possible, for sure. Yep. I guess we'll find out in four more episodes or less. Hopefully. Four or less. Yes. All right. Well, any other closing thoughts on the episode? I'm rethinking my rating, but I liked it. <laughs> Nonetheless. I really enjoyed the B story, and that's what gave it a 7. Maybe I should give it a 7.5. I was at a 6 until the end of the episode where the B storyline, it really paid off nicely for me, both in terms of the relationship between Finch and Rude, and, and I think that she went ahead and deployed the, the uh, Trojan horse and stuff, but the A story didn't do much at all for me. Alrighty, didn't didn't seem to. We, we, we had a like I said, we had uh, ratings all over the. Uh, we the did. We had a lot of high and and several low. All right. Well, what do you have for us? Uh, surveillance in the news. Surveillance in the news today. This is very interesting, and it's uh, a little close to home because uh, some of this is happening in my hometown. Of, well, it's not my hometown, but it's where I'm living these days, Atlanta. This is from Barb Tangier fourteen in the chat room here. The uh, it's a Forbes article, and the headline is. Server and protect. Predictive policing firm Predpol promises to map crime before it happens. Mm. What's it sound like? Two or three times a day in almost 60 cities across America, thousands of police officers line up for roll call at the beginning of their shifts. They're handed a marked-up map of their beat and told, Between calls, go to the little red boxes, and boxes on their map, each about half the size of a city block. The department's crime analysts didn't make these maps. They're produced by Predpol, a predictive policing software program that shovels historical crime data through a proprietary algorithm and spits out the 10 to 20 spots most likely to see crime over the next shift. If patrol officers spend only 5 to 15% of their shift in those boxes, Predpol says they'll stop more crime than they would using their own knowledge. Mm. Hmm. Police departments pay around ten to $150,000 a year to gain access to those little red boxes, having heard that other departments that do so have seen double-digit drops in crime. Now, it's impossible to know if Predpol prevents crime since crime rates fluctuate, or to know the details of the software's black box algorithm. It sounds like the machine here. But budget-strapped police chiefs don't care. Santa Cruz saw burglaries drop by 11% and robberies by 27% in the first year of using the software. Mm. So, you know, this is, uh, this is very interesting. It's uh, what, they're, what they're basically doing, and, and it, it goes on to uh, talk about how it comes up with these, the, these boxes here. It says, for example, uh, Predpol's algorithm was born when Jeff 
Brattingham and his co-founder George Moeller were working at UCLA poring over large data sets in the late 2000s. They saw that criminal activity and seismic activity, earthquakes, follow surprisingly similar patterns. Each new event, an earthquake or a crime, can be traced back to one of two causes. A fixed factor, like an earthquake fault or a rowdy bar, or a variable factor, like another earthquake which causes aftershocks nearby, or a gang shooting which triggers retaliatory shootings in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Each factor can be boiled down to the usual rate it triggers other crimes. For example, in Long Beach, a home burglary instantly puts any home within a mile at heightened risk, with the houses next door at the highest risks. A lot of human behavior can be explained with very simple mathematical models, said Brant Brantingham. Now, it sounds to almost like uh, an episode of Numbers, if you ever watched that, uh, mm -hmm. that show, where they try to use math to figure out what's going on here. And they're basically taking that and putting it into um, a computer program. Uh, it, now, later on, it says, even if PredPol reduces crime, it raises qualms about how it's applied. Louisiana State criminologist Peter Scharf worries that the red box designation might cause young cops... These are those who are not uh, not seasoned, not uh, uh, not as, as have as much experience mm -hmm. to exaggerate a neighborhood's danger. Quote, I go into this box and everybody's Michael Brown, he says. Joel Kaplan, a Rutgers criminologist, says predictive software would be better if it helped fix a crime spot's underlying problems. Others worry that police chiefs and city governments will rush into the embrace of big data, which is essentially what this comes under, just taking huge amounts of data and, and, and extrapolating stuff out of it, mm -hmm. without understanding how it works. It's such a, a seductive idea that you could have a computer predict crime, says University of the District of Columbia law professor Andrew Ferguson. So, yeah, this, uh, this doesn't replace your brain. Uh, one of the things they, they, uh, Brandingham, one of the, uh, the authors of this, uh, he says, we ultimately have to trust, trust a cop's intuition. We tell officers it's up to you to use your knowledge, skills, and experience and training in the most appropriate way to stop crime. It, you know, and you've, so there's, there's a bit of a balancing act here. Is, you know, you, you can't go into this saying, I'm going to into the red box, therefore I'm going to, you know, shoot first and ask questions later because this is a high crime area. Yeah, no, no, you still have to use a lot of, um, uh, you know, your, your own training and your own, uh, knowledge, but it does, uh, put you in the right place. You know, when you've got, I, uh, like I said, if there's a, if there's been a, uh, if there's been a robbery, if there's a home break-in, well, you know, you need to make sure that you're patrolling that area a little more often. And so really this ought to be just uh, used as a where to go kind of thing. Like I said, when you got nothing else to do, just kind of roam around these these little black uh, red boxes here. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want, like I said, no, we don't want a whole bunch of more, um, you know, shootings because I was in the red box. So, yeah, we, we there's the human side and there's the predictive side. So mm -hmm. we have to balance those out. So that was a very interesting uh, article. Thank you, Barb, for throwing that our way. Yeah, very interesting. Nice to see an article that's not totally uh, big government conspiracy, you know, over underhanded type of uh, data gathering, mining, and uh, putting the public at risk or, or manipulating the public, that sort of thing. This, act when, this one actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it does. And like I said, the uh, other places in this article, down here in uh, Atlanta, they're doing it uh, uh, quite a bit down here and uh, in a lot of other cities uh, across the country. So, mm -hmm. Very cool. Coming soon to a police department near you. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's get into some listener feedback. We got some great stuff for this week, and let's get it kicked off with some audio feedback that we got in from Barb. And here she is. Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb, and it's good to be back, even if it is only for one episode, before we skip another week again. And speaking of skip, I'm giving this epi 9.5 stacks of poker chips in a high-stakes game. The writers and actors proved again why POI is the best show on TV today. Fun, gut-wrenching, and you really don't know where they're going to go next. I thought that after Hong Kong, Harold was going to have a backdoor into Samaritan, but nope, not happening yet. The scenes between Harold and Root showed how far these characters have come since the kidnapping, as Root herself reminded us. As Harold stood behind her at the end of the epi, I just shouted at the TV, put your hand on her shoulder, and he did. Mm. And you knew that even though they had hurt each other, that forgiveness was going to come in time. The deep love and friendship that has developed between them was a beautiful thing to see. And I feel that in the second half of this season, we've been treated to that view of all our characters, how they have learned to care again out of their brokenness, how they're learning to deal with the pain in their lives rather than allowing it to swallow them or have them run from it. I don't believe that Root destroyed that device. I think we're going to see it again. Maybe later this season, but more likely next season. We only have four epis left, and I'm not sure that we're going to see an Elias Dominic showdown either, which is what I originally thought we were going to see. So I'm not sure what kind of cliffhanger is in store. My latest guess is that I think that we're going to see Samaritan coming into its full power. What does that mean? I'm still not sure. The launch of Beth's algorithm makes me think that we're going to see some type of human experiment on a massive scale. I think that we might see those brain implant devices again, and maybe that'll be the cliffhanger. The machine manipulating people into believing that they need this implant so that it can control them. Kind of like the mark of the beast in the end times. Now, Frankie was a fun ad this week, and I think that we're going to see her again as an ultimate ally for our team. I enjoyed seeing Harper as well, and it was interesting to learn that Machine was giving her numbers and paying her for her work. Perhaps she's the subject of a Samaritan experiment to see what motivates people. For Harper, it was the easy cash. I think that Harper may fall to Samaritan's side during this war, but since she's a very smart cookie, she's ultimately going to switch sides to Team Machine for the win. Well, the good doctor and John locked lips this week. I'm still on the fence about Iris. Either she really will be a new love interest to help John move on, and if she is, I predict she won't die like the rest of his ladies, or she's a Samaritan plant that is better than Martine. But if she's a plant, then why not take them all out at this point? That was going to happen in the basement when Shaw was captured, so why wait now? That makes me think that maybe she's the real thing. Great week. It was only missing one element. Bear. I hope we see our favorite beastie soon. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out. Now, where did I put that meat cleaver? Stand back. Don't don't make Barb mad when she got the meat cleaver. <laughs> it's stuck to the back of John's suit with all the rest of that meat. <laughs> all the juices, yes. Yes. She had your idea about that uh, the device that she actually did hang on to it and probably did use it. Yeah, I think so. I, I do. Uh, you know, she had a lot of good things to say about the episode, and, and Doc is also in the chat room uh, saying what, what he really enjoyed about the episode. And, and uh, I'm still sticking with my 7, although I did raise it to a 7.0001. <laughs> Just to be more ornery than anything else. I thought it interesting she talked about Harper possibly being experimented on by Samaritan. 
Yeah. And that would, if yeah. that was the case, then that would make, uh, I, I would like that payoff to be that the, uh, that's the reason that Harper was being, uh, texted by Thornhill. It's trying to, you know, it, it, essentially a battle going on for Harper. For what reason? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. But I would yeah. like that, I would like that kind of a payoff there. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, she said she didn't think we were going to see, or she was wondering if we were going to see the, the payoff or the, the, standoff or whatever off between Elias and Dominic. I still think there's a chance of that. And I think that some of these crossovers that we've seen, including with Harper being one of those players that could be useful to Dominic or Elias, although a little bit of a stretch there because he hasn't quite had the interaction uh, or team machine, right? Or, or Samaritan, as you just mentioned. So that she is an example of a piece that could br- still bring all these pieces, all these, all these other pieces together. So I, I think there's still a reasonable chance that what have seemed to be different storylines could converge into something really amazing uh, here at the end of the season. It would have to um, have to be really big to uh, beat Deus Ex Machina from last season. Wow! Yes, it that would. was amazing. Yeah. Well, we got some written feedback. Shall we uh, go through this, or shall let's we just totally ignore it? I, I, I'm kind of. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. That's probably the best thing because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay, we have Vivek who said, "Hi guys, uh, thanks for your hard work and hoping POI season five renewal gets announced soon." I agree with you. My title for season four, episode eighteen: the good, the bad, and the not so ugly. The Good. Finch and Root duo is always a welcome addition on the small screen. They have this elder brother and jealous young sister relationship, which makes their chemistry and scenes richer, even though there are some plot holes. Finch's humanity is both his major strength and weakness. This episode signified how Root, our friendly sociopath, has humane feelings only to the team, or say the family of the machine. She doesn't really care about anything else. The bad. I don't know why, but POI has been on a very bad streak of procedural elements since episode 14. They're nailing the serialized part. Frankie Wells' character was spunky enough, and they had great chemistry, and she had great chemistry with Reese, which made the initial scenes super fun to watch. Then it got bogged down by unnecessary twists and extra characters, Mr. Worthy. About Harper, I don't hate her, but I don't like her either that much. She's too smug for her own good. It's not that Team Machine needs some help. But from the last five episodes, it's too much force-feeding on the part of the writers. Unless they give an awesome introduction to the character like Shaw in Relevance or Root in Firewall, I will not buy it. Harper's introduction in Blunt was pretty bland. Now she is even more relevant due to contact with the machine. Let's wait and see what the machine wants with her. The not-so-ugly. I am in two ways about the Reese and Iris relationship. I understand why they have to do something with Reese's character, because his backstory is dried out, and he can't offer any technical expertise when it comes to fighting Samaritan. But the way they build it up doesn't feel natural. I don't think she's a Samaritan or Brotherhood operative. It's too obvious. I like one of the theories posted in Reddit. What if she's a relative of some cop who Reese killed or turned into a quadriplegic? She's trying to draw him in completely and then finally make him suffer. I just hope she's not Detective Stills or Marshall Jennings' sister. Feel free to add any more significant cop characters who picked a bone with Reese. It would be too terrible for John. Have to wait and see if they make this plot thread interesting enough. 
So overall, a very good first half from both sides, but mediocre second half due to the procedural elements. I give this an 8 out of 10. Mm. That's an interesting idea there about Iris being some mm-hmm. related to some guy that, uh, that Reese has, uh, has taken out. What do you think? You think that, I mean, with that, my concern here is it turning into another HR storyline that really didn't add to, to the overarching plot. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that brings in a, a, a bigger wrinkle into the show than there is room for at this point, at least room for it to be fleshed out in a, in a meaningful way. So I'm going to say... It's late in the season, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say no, but only because of that. I, I don't think it's a bad theory or a bad idea at all. All righty, yeah. All right, we got this in on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash... Person of interest, GSM. That's it. Thank you, Doug. Uh, This is from Benson, by the way. He says, I was extremely disappointed and upset that Harper didn't die. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. She has by far been my least favorite character to ever be on this show, and the only reason I tolerated a second appearance from her was because it could mean that she would be killed. (laughs) (laughs) Not Uh, holding back here. Not at all. They even had so many chances for her to take a bullet and she still ended up unscathed i promise that i am a rather non-violent person but i am less forgiving with fictitious television characters the episode also didn't seem to get us anywhere reese showed his feelings and we had a dead end to the hong kong plot line but that's about it root was fun as usual and it was neat for her to almost be the perpetrator I thought that Beth would have had orders to kill Harold, and that is why her number came up. Beth was also not a character that the fans have come to know and love well enough yet for us to care about her at all and feel empathetic for either of them. The plot with the POI for the week was interesting enough, but it wasn't hard to pay it, but it was hard to pay attention. Finch consistently fails to see the importance of their work and for his own life. There was never a point in which I really felt like he was going to die, even after attempting to commit suicide. Skip seems to be an episode that I could skip and be happier with the show. Ooh. You know, I feel a, a, a lot closer to that than I than I did, say, Barb's uh, response. Although I thought Barb did a good job of articulating why she liked the episode so much, but I I kind of align myself more with what Benson has to say here. Again, Harper's thing where she was negotiating, that was completely dumb and unbelievable to me. She, someone worthy just needed to, or one of his goons just needed to put a bullet in her head and, and take the drive and be done with it and kill Ray at the same time. Right. I mean, (laughs) so yeah, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Benson on this. Not that I desire Harper to, to get killed. I think there's value in the character. So I would disagree with that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of with you, kind of with you there. Yeah, yeah. The, the you have to be like, um, uh, it was like like uh, Vivek said. If you're gonna introduce a new character, it really has to be a big introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I totally didn't believe it for a second that Finch was gonna die. Oh no, no, no. yeah. Just a question of how you know how he's gonna get it. Now, you, 
and I, I've heard this before, you know. Uh, oh, I don't. I, I, yeah, I watched that movie, and I knew at the end this was going to happen. So, why, you know, what's the big deal? Okay, well, you know, you watch Lord of the Rings, and you know they're going to destroy the ring. It, the question is how, right? But so that that so the how has got to be enough uh-huh. that you don't care that you know what's going to happen. That's yes, right. with the 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 neurotoxin, it wasn't that big a deal. It's just a matter of taking him to the hospital. He just had to agree to do it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Andrew J. Andrew J. says, Hi, Daryl and Doug. Hi, Andrew. I hope you guys are well and enjoying the weather in your towns. However, in Toronto, while it's officially spring, it still feels like winter outside. Andrew, I got some friends in Cleveland, Ohio, and I have some family up in Ithaca, New York. Yep, still winter there, too. We had our first tornado of the season yesterday, so welcome to Oklahoma. (laughs) Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. That's right. Oh, man alive. Yes, that's right. Oklahoma, the only state named after a musical. This episode was good. (laughs) Thank you. Snakes got lost a bit in the bad guy's shuffle at the end. Frankie, Harper, Ray, and the other crime boss, it started to get twisty. Especially when we all, I'm assuming, start start paying way more attention to what was going on over with Root and Finch. In the end, the most interesting takeaway from the Frankie story, aside from the fact that Frankie may return at some point, was the fact that the machine had started anonymously, anonymously, <laughs> texting Harper. Perhaps the same might happen with Frankie. Recruitment is the name of the game now. However, Root decided to go rogue and disobey the machine in order to protect Harold from getting himself killed. I was looking to see what Root's big change might be following the Shaw arc, and this was it. She was willing to sacrifice a long, gestating Trojan horse plan that could help win the war against Samaritan in order to save the man she now considered to be her friend. So her methods were frightfully dark. She'd planned to kill Hong Kong Beth so that Finch wouldn't get the chance to use his one-off gizmo that would place him on Samaritan's radar. It then became a battle of wills when Finch downed roots, poisoned himself, trying to save Beth, and sacrificed himself for the plan. Great idea, Harold! Sarcasm dripping, as I write, great idea. So, the Hong Kong plan didn't pay off like we thought it would, but it was satisfyingly fed to Root's development into a more tender, loyal character. Moving her even farther away from someone like Shaw, actually. Of course, she did spare Beth's life as promised, but then she went behind Finch's back and discredited the woman's entire life's work. So, she did have a backup plan. And it was enough to make Finch more or less exile her. The moment when he puts his hand on her shoulder and softly tells her to take off was a nice beat. He needs time. He just lost perhaps his only hope of winning the war. I also was not a fan of the Reese Iris kiss. I felt that was too rushed. Hope to hear your feedback on the podcast. P.S. Does anyone see the parallels with POI in a show called Human Target that aired on Fox a few years back? Or am I the only one who sees the similarities? Andrew, I do not know about that TV show. I Carol? do know about that TV show because the one of the main actors, maybe the main actor, was none other than the man who played the love interest during the first few episodes of Fringe for Olivia Dunham. He, well, he died in the pilot, but then he was not quite dead and all that stuff. He's not dead yet, yes. Yes. Um, can't think of the actor's name. I don't see the similarities at all because I always felt like Human Target was a guilty pleasure. It was a, it didn't take itself seriously. It was over the top, ridiculous, comical on purpose. Um, maybe I just saw it that way. Hmm. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see it. 
being similar to POI, which is a very deep, well thought out, uh, extremely serious with comedic moments. Um, to me, they're not the same show in the least, but you can tell us why I'd like to see why you think that because maybe I've, maybe I've missed something. I didn't watch a lot of human target because I wasn't looking for a popcorn show. (laughs) I never, I I didn't even know it existed. I think it was only on for two seasons. Which would have been 2009, 2010. Hmm. All righty. Thank you, Andrew. All right. This one comes in from I Am Groot. Hi, Daryl and Doug. Greetings from Melbourne, home of the 2015 Cricket World Cup finals between Australia and New Zealand. Do they still play cricket these days? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't know they had like sporting events for insects. That's pretty oh. amazing. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, this episode was mediocre and felt draggy to me in that they were dragging the case of the week too long. And also I felt that the scenes at the end between Reese and the therapist was a bit forced. And also it did not fit John's personality. I'll just pause there. It seems like everybody's saying that the therapist thing was a little bit too rushed, too forced. Mm. I don't, I don't think anybody has, has appreciated that yet. Back to Groot. However, our friends at shark watch are screaming for Nolan's head saying that they, the producers have made John weaker and a bit of a wimp over the past season. They are also claiming that John is a hypocrite as in guilty he was the one telling Finch not to involve people because they get hurt, but doesn't deny Iris's advances despite the threat. John cares about other people's well-being beyond his own. When Carter died, he took it personally, even though it wasn't his fault. John is a hypocrite now, and something will happen to Iris, and I will not have any sympathy for John. Nice character deterioration. And that's all a quote, by the way, from the Shark Watch group. Uh, group goes on to say as much as those shark watch people irk me, I have also heard that some critics on some of the POI fan groups, excluding the POI GSM page are being bullied by other fans or having their comments removed. That's terrible. If that's going on. No, 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 don't do that. And then he says, what do you guys, uh, he says, what do you guys and those in the chat room think can be a potential solution to appease the loyal fans and the critics who are being silenced on the fan pages. Just come to our Facebook group and say what you want. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that that is obviously a, a real thing. We, we we try to have an honest discourse on this on this podcast and in our Facebook group. There are going to be things that all of us like and dislike. We've addressed the the issue of John being you could call it weaker. I mean, I talked about how it didn't seem like he should be overtaken twice by uh, Frankie like he was in this episode and that's not the first time in this season I just think that there, there, there's a you should show respect for the show and for each other when you're trying to have dialogue about a show I think what I, what some of them may have been talking about is the fact that he's getting more touchy-feely perhaps you know mm-hmm. he's been the uh, the hard man on campus and you know just you know all 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 business and um, and very little we saw a little bit of his, of his uh, you know, life before meeting Finch, where he was, you know, kind of romantic and that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But since meeting Finch, he and, and or since his uh, his downfall after after the loss of his uh, girlfriend, then he's been a certain way all this time. And now 
Now we're seeing more of the touchy-feely side. I don't think that is a bad thing necessarily. I think it's it, it gives him a little more depth. There is uh, only so much you can do if you are. I mean, you could have you could make the case that he was kind of two-dimensional for a lot of the uh, of the series because he really didn't have that have that the, the chance to to connect emotionally with somebody else uh, at at some level. Uh, Finch and Reese have, you know, that great friendship there that has been built up over time. And that's, and that's great to have. And it's, you know, it gives it a little more depth. But I think the need for, to, to reach out to Iris and then, and, and how that's affecting him, I think is actually a, uh, a good thing for the character. I do think it's a pretty valid point, though, that it seems a bit dangerous and something that he probably should not be involved in because of the risk he's putting Iris in. I think that's a very valid point. Yeah, they spent a whole episode dealing just with that issue. You know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't bring anybody else at all into it. And then all of a sudden, we'll go, well, never mind, let's bring them on. Yeah. All right. Thank all right. you, Groot. Wonderful. It, it's some of these great ideas we get from trees these days. <laughs> from Andrew B. Andrew B. says, I give Skip nine pairs of glasses. Seriously, Root looks awesome in shades. Speaking of which... She and Finch have been through many tonal and moral shades this this season. Their interaction in this episode, as in Prophets, surprised me in how serious it became. Here we got more of the cloak and dagger route, as opposed to the pistol and pistol route. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. At one point she said, you know, I'd do anything for you, Harold, anything. Mm-hmm. It's notable because she reinforced your statement. It reminded me of two previous times when she'd made similar assertions, but undercut them. Granted, she was on the verge of torturing someone on each of those occasions. <laughs> I like that this was a very human-focused episode, and that POI is keeping the human element strong, even amidst the AI plot. There were many moving parts in this one, too, which made it very exciting. The reveal that Harper's been getting messages from the machine caught me way off guard and made me it made my second viewing more fun in thinking of her as an asset. I enjoyed the story with Frankie, though I think the dock scenes nearest Finch's sacrificial move could have been arranged differently because at that point I was paying more attention to the latter. I'm okay with Reese's fortunes near the end. I'm interested to see how that is further developed, but I think I have a good enough impression of Iris for now. Mm-hmm. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, I I thought yeah, it would, there was yeah, the cutting back and forth got a little. I was trying to take notes and it was like, hang on, I got to jump to the A story because I you know keep the uh, keep my A story notes together and the B story notes together and the Z story notes, and so I was really jumping around a lot and I I think I may, may have missed some stuff um, because I was just trying to find my different spots in the uh, in the document for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Mm-hmm. All right, and the last one is coming in from Matic Labar. That's going to be my guess at how to pronounce that. That would be mine. Uh, They say, Dear Daryl and Doug, I've been a long-time listener, but this is my first time writing in. Well, let's just stop right there and just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for writing in. First off, I give this episode 9 of 10 Root and Harold Forever moments, or 9 out of 10 Gingers. (laughs) Just a brief note, on the previous two episodes, I was really surprised that both of you liked Blunt more than Karma. I personally liked Karma much better. It truly was a classic POI episode with an interesting, at least for me, unpredictable number, an ending that gives you something to think about, and of course my favorite, flashbacks. In contrast, Blunt's main character, Harper, was one of my least favorite numbers so far, 
and the whole story just didn't leave an impact on me. The Dominic and Reese scenes were good, but I'd say that the flashbacks in Karma outweigh them, and that whole stoner boyfriend really wasn't working for me. <laughs> You've asked a question about Riley not arresting Edwards, even though he was setting people up illegally. I've had the same thought about Harper, who, if I'm not mistaken, tried to steal the money from a legit marijuana dispensary. Anyways, when I've heard they're bringing her back, I was really surprised, but decided to give her a second chance. I thought she had a better role in this episode, and it seems like we'll be seeing her again in the future. I feel like they could have chosen someone else, a different X number, for her role, but I guess she'll have to do. Frankie would have been much more fun to watch. As for this week's episode, I've really enjoyed all of the Root, who's my favorite character, and Harold, a close second, scenes. While we've gotten some of that in Profits when they were working together on the computer, but this episode really took it to another level. Root once again showed just how much Harold means to her, and that's the reason why she's taking so many sacrifices, not the machine. I was a little surprised at first that Harold would just put his life on the line just because of Beth, who had, he had barely known. I understand that he'd like to save a life by any means, but this life was a little much. But then it all made sense when he said he didn't want to be responsible for another death, which of course led to Root's confession, which tied things up nicely, explaining why she was so devastated after Shaw's death. I also have a question for you guys. I think that Team Machine should start taking more drastic measures in order to win this war. When Samaritan people find a thorn in their hill, <laughs> I see what you did there, they simply remove it. On the contrary, Team Machine lets everyone go. Claire was going to bring Finch to Greer and ultimately to his death. When Root gets the upper hand, she simply lets her go. This whole Samaritan conflict is here only because they didn't kill the congressman. I think they need to start eliminating their threats whenever possible. I know it's not what's going to happen, and Finch definitely wouldn't stand for it, but it seems impossible to win the war otherwise. What do you think? Anyways, sorry for the long letter. And that comes in from Matic Labar. And then there's the challenge of us trying to pronounce it, which we've done <laughs> probably unsuccessfully. <laughs> well, you know, if you if you want to make sure that your name is pronounced correctly, record your, your, your <laughs> feedback and send it in. That way that, it's guaranteed. That is an option, yeah. Um, you know, what do you think about them killing people instead of letting them go? I mean, that's just not the way that Team Machine operates. Now, she, uh, he or she, I'm not sure which, here is right, that in a war you, you don't – you don't usually take prisoners or, or let, especially let them go. That's, that's not the way that Team Machine operates. And you can argue whether or not they should operate that way, but they but they don't, right? I think it would go against the ethos of that the whole show has been building up, mm -hmm. that it, this is not what we do. We save people. That is that is the purpose of Team Machine. We And that is the reason why they didn't kill the senator. That is what uh, right. basically the uh, – the reason that Harold gave at that time, we don't do that. And that's why Harold uh, was going to kill himself this time. We don't, again, we don't allow other people to die in, intentionally. Um, I'll take the bullet. And it's the it, it's the the main fear we've heard before. The main fear uh, of Harold that uh, a machine AI mm -hmm. 
is is unfeeling in that perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he said, his example was, uh, okay, machine cure hunger. Okay, let's kill a third of the people, and that right. cures hunger because there'll be plenty of you know food for everyone else. Right. So, so Finch still has in the back of his mind that rather uh, understandable uh, fear about what uh, what this could all lead to ultimately. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think they would ever do that. Yeah, I don't either. Well, Doug, you uh, mentioned that calling in was an option. I think we should probably share that information now. You can call 304-837-2278. That's the Golden Spiral Media voice feedback line. You can call in and leave feedback for any one of our podcasts by calling that number. You can also head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. There you can use our SpeakPipe widget along with your phone or your um, computer's microphone to record a contribution for this or any other podcast. Uh, you can also attach an audio file at that same web address or typey typey out an email contribution and submit it via typey, that web typey, address. Huh? Mm-hmm, typey typey. Again, that's goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And the deadline for that is Thursdays at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time so that we can get it processed and ready for inclusion in that week's episode. Please send it in. We we, we love to hear from you folks out there. We do. And it, and it proves to my wife that there actually is people listening to this. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. What are you doing down there for two hours? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have some spoilers for you. Okay. We have a little bit of information about uh, the upcoming episodes, and based on the information I have currently, the final four, no, we're not talking about March Madness, the final four episodes of the season will be in April 7th, 14th, and 28th, and the finale on May 5th. So we have uh, we have a break next week, we have two weeks with episodes, a break the following week, and two weeks uh, with the, uh, the the penultimate episode and the ultimate episode, so mm-hmm. put that on your calendar. Uh, I think I had some uh, we had some information about dates before, but uh, CBS has said everybody out of the pool. We're we're redoing this, <laughs> resetting the pool. That's right. Okay, for next episode for again Tuesday, April seventh. It's called Search and Destroy. Reese and Finch scramble to protect a software CEO when his behavior becomes increasingly erratic following a hacker attack that reveals all his secrets and unravels his life. And there's no meanwhile in this one. There's just that, that episode. So it could be, uh, it could be interesting. We've got, uh, according to the, uh, the, the cast list, we have all the usual people. We also have uh, Greer and uh, uh, Martine mm-hmm. coming back on this one. And also Zoe should make an, uh, uh, an appearance uh, from her. Uh, she's been uh, watching. Have you, if you watch the, the 100. Yeah. Yeah. I don't watch she's, it, but yeah, she's on there. She's on there, yeah. yeah. So she's taking a break from that, coming over here, and going to be playing Paige again. Yeah, that's cool. And yes, it'd be interesting to see how she all works into this. And we have another uh, whole bunch of uh, guest uh, cast, and I particularly like uh, Jim Santagelli, 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 as the Hawaiian shirt guy. So there you go. Look for him. And, you know, in a couple of weeks on Person of Interest. It'll be written by <laughs> Zach Schwartz. May the Schwartz be with you. And directed by Steve Sergic. Sounds great. Sounds yes, great. Indeedy. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Person of Interest Podcast. We, we loved sharing all of your feedback. We look forward to hearing from you uh, next time after the next episode of Person of Interest. So until that time, I'm Daryl. And I'm going to go work on building up my uh, tolerance to iocane powder and other toxins. And I'm Doug saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit watching over you or or handcuffed to you. <laughs>